Jobo went down to the Rogers Center finally. Azo, you've obviously been, right? Yeah, many times. Like in my life One, or this year? No, no, this year. <laughs> yeah, Twice yeah. so far. Yeah, okay. And Austin. Do you have you, an over-under this year? You know, you used to do that. Yeah, dude, I always, I would have already had nine or ten under the belt by now. But they started on the road. They've basically played no home games. <laughs> and they've had a bunch across from the Leafs. And I've never done Leafs talk until this year. So it's really limited my number. I think this year I'll probably hit my record low. I, I would guess at minimum I'll still hit 30 to 40 games. That's still a pretty good number. Oh, listen. Still a really good number. My home. I love it there. That's <laughs> where I live. It's just, uh, yeah, it's been a tough start. One game still only for me. One. Wow. Do you know that? You went yesterday. Yeah. You loony dogged it. Ailish eating 10. Disgusting. Ran into her in the hallway. Gross. <laughs> Gross. Didn't want to touch her. Didn't even want to stand close to her. I was like, ah, get away from me. Uh, but yeah, Austin, you haven't gone, right? No, it's hard to go when you when you work every day. Well, you, I like how you said that. Like, <laughs> I've been in the bowels of the building uh, working. <laughs> like, what are you shoveling the coal the pipes into the furnace? Making sure that the, the business runs? Yeah, sure. you're, you're grinding out here, Austin. But yeah, okay. So you went to Looney Dog Night, which is, I'm just going to say my least favorite night. Because I don't, I don't really I, love Looney Dog. I would agree. Dog. I'm not really a huge Looney Dog guy. I, it's Did a, you crush some Looney Dogs though? Yeah, I had a couple, That's and I also thing. tried the poutine dog as well because I wanted Ooh. to try it. I wanted to try it. What do you it. think? I gave it a seven out of ten. I like that. Seven out of ten. I got. I want to. This is the thing. I'm. There will be a time where some of the casuals start to filter out. You know, mm-hmm. some of the looky loos who just showed up for the <laughs> the King Street experience of the outfield section. Some of those looky loos. When you depart, I will start to take You'll a little bit more control <laughs> of uh, some of the areas and reclaim some spots. There's too many youths hanging out in the, yeah, the there outfield. Is. There's I'm, a lot up there. I'm, I'm going up there. I'm like, I'm too old for here. The, the rooftop patios are nice, though. I think they did a really good yeah, job. They're with great. Them. No, they did a really good job. Man, it's so much better than it used to be. Oh, 100%. It's yeah. so much better. And now you see the plans that they have for. The olds like me in the 100s now, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're going, don't worry, olds. We're going to make spots for you to hang out too. <laughs> don't just be for the pups. You can come out here and find a seat. <laughs> you don't have to stand and just be congregated with the with the youths the for youths, the children. a couple of hours. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yesterday's Blue Jays game, fun one. Uh, Jays, the starting pitching is just cruising right now. Yeah. Barrios now, add him to the list of studs. Is, <laughs> this is the question. Is Jose Barrios back? Are we officially back on believing on Jose Barrios or you need to see more? I am. Okay. That's fast. Azo, back. I like him working with Jansen. I think Jansen calls a good game with yeah. him. Mm. Jansen Here, had a really good game yesterday. Okay. I, I'm, I'm almost ready to say back. I'm very, very close. I'm very, very close. To me, it's about the road. That last road start was big for me. Because he always pitches well, Rogers. Road, road was big? But here's my other thing, and I've had disagreements with people who watch the Jays all the time about this, but it's one of my most staunch Blue Jays beliefs. I think one of the biggest things with Barrios, it's not just mental with him. Like with Kikuchi, it actually is just a pure mental thing, right? Mm. Because he's got the nasty stuff, and I can't wait to watch it again tonight. Mm -hmm. Like 97, just filth. He's got the Robbie Ray stuff. He has, you could win a Cy Young with what he throws, 
Mm. What he's able to do with the baseball, the way he can throw it, you could win a Cy Young. You say Kikuchi. That's not the case with Jose Barrios. That fastball, when it's coming in 94 and flat, you're going, boy, that looks like meat. How is that not tattooed out of this world? I don't think Barrios is ever going to have a oh-my-God season again where we're looking at the ERA at the end of the year and it's like below 3-5. Let's put it that way. Right. I think that basically the most optimistic you could have would be a hair below four for him over the course of the season, just based on the stuff, mm-hmm. my opinion. That would be great. I think as of right now, straight up, he is the Blue Jays' fifth starter. Kikuchi, if he's this, if he keeps rolling this way, you're having Kikuchi Bassett conversations, not Kikuchi Barrios conversations. I know that sounds wild. I, As a proud shareholder of Kikuchi stock. <laughs> I was about to say, your, your oh, stock is there. Oh, my God. We're so wealthy. So rich. So rich in Kikuchi stock. But I do think Barrios is a huge confidence guy. And you've seen it before where he starts to put base runners on and he starts to do the sweat and he doesn't look himself and he doesn't look like a guy that's having any fun. And I think he's a bit of a front runner now and he starts to get nervous and he doesn't trust his stuff as much. And then when guys start sitting on that heater and he's not confident and he's not happy, he can, that's why he has those massive blow up innings. And yesterday, my favorite part of the blue Jays game with a, a shadow of a doubt, six inning, they give him the ball. He goes out there, puts on a base runner, and then ends the inning with a punch out. Mm-hmm. And he had a bunch of them yesterday. What did he finish with? Eight? Uh, Seven, eight? Anyway, who cares? With... Point is, that punch out was massive. And then they gave Nine. him this, he, Yeah, see? More. More than eight. Nine. He had Nine. the swag, too. He was walking off the mound he after did. everything, after every strikeout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, that... it's the aggression with the fastball. Like, when he's got that fastball on and he's aggressive with it, it's better. I love like it. Like I loved it. And just see, but seeing him look like a guy who had fun on the mound, walking off after he had some swagger. Exactly. That's yeah. when you know he's back. It's exactly. True. I went, okay, maybe you are back, Barrios. Maybe mm-hmm. you are feeling yourself. You feel like you're a contributor to this team. You guys, it's all just one elevating the other in the starting rotation. I, I thought that's as good as I felt about Barrios in a long ass time since essentially when they first traded for him. Also, it should be noted that I did watch Simeon Wood Richardson the other day just for a little bit. I noticed that he was on, so I flipped on my, you know, MLB TV, and I took a little peek. I watched him strike out a bunch of dudes. He looks pretty good. So, Barrios, <laughs> please be decent because there, that, there might be something there with that kid. There just might. There just might be something there. The stuff. There was a lot of – this is a – we're so funny with prospects and with trades. <laughs> the second somebody gets traded from here, it is just a full-on just – tarnish campaign yeah. where at the second I can't even remember that prospect's name all of a sudden the 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 other kid that was traded for him the one that everybody was so high on with the cool name like it's not Mercedes it was like that what was the name of the kid oh damn it oh people are losing their minds I know wasn't it Austin too yes it is it is Austin it's not Austin, Austin Bentley Me- no. <laughs> Austin Meadows no no no, no, no he's a blue no, jay no. anyway the second that kid Austin got Austin Martin that's Austin it, Martin. Austin Martin. That's I knew it was, was a car thing. Like, that's it. He was an Austin Martin. Austin oh, I, Bentley. I thought of Austin Meadows. Yeah, I, I know, know, Joe. Don't worry. Just sh- <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember Joe, here. like, when I said when you don't have to say is just the, the lesson of Jobo once again. Here You're crushing is. poutine dogs over yeah, there. It, it definitely was not the <laughs> veteran baseball player who was never affiliated with the Blue Jays no, in any way. Uh, it was not him. But, yes, Austin Martin. 
Great name. What a handle. Second kid gets traded. He went from being potential savior to absolutely no pop bum. <laughs> the two Austins were going to run Toronto. Yeah. Like. Simeon Woods Richardson, second he got traded. Ah, people think he's a bullpen arm. <laughs> no chance he starts. I love it. It's so funny. As second, I, I'll, I, the one with Austin Martin, I was at a wedding when that trade happened. And I, I had a bartender come up to me and tell me that. And I went, are you kidding me this is within 20 minutes and a bartender has already got the full smear campaign ready to rock and roll anyway i was i was really stoked watching brios i was happy for the guy because yes you can tell that just this last year has been crap for him and he was the number one story of the offseason in terms of is he going to bounce back because kikuchi had already felt like a sunk cost it was a lottery ticket you felt like well you can't get much worse than that brios is a at an eight-year ticket coming into this year it's a way bigger deal that he can at least be a competent and solid performer and yeah after those first couple starts you start to wonder oh my god is this guy going to absolutely financially cripple the toronto blue jays how are they going he is the tiger king meme how are we going to financially recover from this i don't know how it doesn't look possible with him and yeah he's got some swagger back he looked like himself again it was looking really good and you're right i like him with danny jansen you know what else i like danny jansen Becoming Dan Jansen again. Dan Jansen has arrived. Dan Jansen has returned to the Rogers Center. That The kid has popped. The kid's got a bat. You love to see it for Dan Jansen. And then lastly, quickly on Blue Jays, before we call uh, our buddy James Myrtle. Nate Pearson shows up. And it was very Nate Pearson-ish. <laughs> it felt very Nate Pearson-ish. The stuff he's throwing has the high velo. It sounds weird to say, but I actually want to see the velocity higher. <laughs> I I want to see 100 on the gun from Nate Pearson. That's hey, what he, he said. Was 99 po- yesterday. Uh, that, he did? I, I didn't see the 99er. Yeah. I did see that Jose Barrios, though, that he did hit his highest mm-hmm. velocity of the season in the first inning, which is, again, a really, really welcome sign. Uh so many guys in the major leagues throw that kind of heat now that it doesn't feel all that impressive coming out of Nate Pearson the way that it did when he was first a prospect. And especially considering that, yeah, now he's a bullpen guy. So, yeah, I do. I, I kind of want to see Nate Pearson run it up to 100. Show me the 100 if that's who you're going to be is the bullpen arm. Okay. So, a couple quick things on the kid. One, nice. He got out of it. Perfect situation that you want to have Nate Pearson in, right? No runners on, clean inning, very limited pressure, White Sox bottom of the lineup. Nice. Hits the first batter. Again, very Nate Pearson-ish where the control isn't all the way there. You feel like he's going to put at least somebody on. Mm -hmm. But then he settles in. He finishes with a strikeout. That's really nice. But my biggest takeaway is... I hate the no fear thing on his glove. I'm sorry. I have to discuss this. It's so (laughs) lame. Man, if you have to put no fear on your glove and Hazel's going, and it's a reminder for him not to be scared. I'm like, wait, so he's out there terrified. (laughs) You're telling the whole world you're afraid. No fear. First of all, sick brand. When I was a child, super (laughs) cool for like, no fear was so unfair. It was like the coolest thing that you could wear in early elementary school for a hot second. And actually my boy, Sean Kemp was affiliated with the brand in some way, or they were just ripping off his likeness. I'm not sure which one it was, <laughs> but one of those two things was happening and no fear was dope. And then the two minutes later, it was, that's the poverty brand. And you went, wait, what? <laughs> I thought my no fear gear was sweet. And just, it turned on a dime one day. I think no fear might've been my introduction to fashion. 
That or the shoes that light up at the back. Those, mm. those are the two <laughs> things that taught me what was cool and what was not at a very early age. Anyways, uh, good for Pearson. It's This is such an oddity to say, but it just, yeah, they need that guy to be something at the back of their bullpen because they don't have a ton of that swing and miss stuff. But yeah, would have been would have been nice to see just a, a little bit more. Mm. I, I don't know how to quantify this, but it just uh, looking at him, I went, ah, that reminds me of the exact same guy that we've seen. I don't know why I was expecting something different. Mm. And maybe it was just some of the minor league numbers, but obviously he's just, he's starting to look like a 4A guy a little bit here. And so, yeah, it's going to be an important run for his career, but it, it's, it's gonna, it's starting to have that vibe of just, all right, expectations are, we've said it, they're normal now where they just want him to be a bullpen arm, but it still feels like we want him to be a high leverage bullpen arm. And maybe he won't even be that. Anyway, uh, no fear. Have no fear. Uh, James Myrtle is here, senior managing editor of The Athletic. What's up, brother? How are we doing? No fear. That's a throwback. You're dating yourself, J.D. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it hurts. I, I already said on the show that I felt intimidated by the youths at the Rogers Center out in the outfield. I went and was walking around. I'm like, I can't fit in here. I'm not going to just push around <laughs> with the fellas trying to get a spot on the rail. I'll just go to my seat and have my... I- my drinking in peace. I think I'm so old. I was too old to wear no fear. I think Ouch. that's <laughs> tough. <laughs> I think I was like in high school or something when yeah. that started coming out. Oh, then you guys, yeah, you were the ones that probably told us, "Hey, don't wear that. It's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I oh, think it so. sucks." Yeah. <laughs> no fear though was a very legit. I think it made a comeback. Pretty sure at one point here in the halfway recent future. Yeah, dude, this weird stuff from the early '90s made little weird comebacks. Uh, yeah, just stay tuned. No fear might be back someday. It's pretty, now that Nate Pearson is popularizing it, it might make its return. Okay, so you wrote an article um, about why Tampa has been able to confound the Leafs and the keys to improving. And it's a weird, it's a weird article to write, but it's it's also the way that I think a lot of Leaf fans and yeah, certainly I feel James, which is. All right, Toronto's up 3-1. You want to be positive. You want to be optimistic about the outlook. They've got Tampa Bay on the brink. The expectation is that this team that finished, what, fourth in the NHL in points this season is able to put away an opponent who, yeah, they have three opportunities to do so, two at home. But, yeah, the results of these games have felt pretty fluky for the most part for Toronto fans. The first one that they get on the road, everyone accepts it. They say, yeah, Tampa got goalied and Vasilevsky played poorly and Toronto stole one was the term. And then this latest one, the comeback was brilliant. Tampa absolutely goes to sleep, but yeah, there's a pretty fair sample size of Tampa dominating the series and a pretty limited one of Toronto. I think in your piece you wrote, what what is the expected goals for for Tampa Bay at even strength so far this series? I mean, it's like they have like 53% or something. Yeah. Like it's not, game two swung in in Toronto's favor quite a lot, right? So it's really just, you look at the last two games and it's very heavily in, in Tampa's favor. And I think, yeah. I think the way to uh, the way to think about it is: Do you really want to go into Game Five with that being your game plan again? The same thing that led you to what happened in Game Three and Game Four? Probably not. You know, you probably want to adapt some things. And I mean, I think I think the template needs to be what happened in the second half of of Game Four, where the Leafs really just simplified what they were trying to do. You know, it was if we don't have anything, let's not, let's not turn over the puck. Let's make Mm -hmm. a a simple play. Let's chip in and off the boards. Let's go get it. Let's forecheck a bit better than we did earlier in the game. And you could really see it working late. Mm -hmm. Can uh, this is my only thing. My only thing about the way the Leafs played. Isn't that a little bit of just a road style game against a really good hockey team? Like, are we maybe expecting a little bit too much from the Leafs, this idea that 
they were going to treat the Tampa Bay Lightning the way that they do the Detroit Red Wings in January? Um, I, they, you know what, to me, I think that the Leafs were just really kind of tentative in both of those games. I mean, like, whereas Tampa was just, I mean, you look at the talent level of the teams, the Leafs should be dominating the games. And when you watch the Lightning control the way they did for that whole first period of game four, it's kind of, it's remarkable that, that the talent level is not what shows up on the ice. It's really kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, what do you want to call it? Effort? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's like going full out and, and, and not having, and having no fear, basically yeah. having no, yeah, having no fear, yes. having yes. no fear on your glove is yeah. really, is really what Tampa looked like in the first period of that game. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for the Leafs to get comfortable with that pace and to really kind of take over. You know, I, I will say this, if there's anything that, cause I want to do, you know, biggest positive from the Leafs so far and biggest fear with you as well. Um, and I actually had the fear thing before no fear. I swear to God, that's in my notes <laughs> that I read. I'm like, this is becoming a little too much, but I, I actually do think that, there is a nastiness that Tampa has as a team. And I'm not sure if it's been learned because they are such a veteran group and they've been through so many of these wars and they've had to learn it and they struggled out of the gate. And maybe it is because I can't remember what Tampa was like when they lost to Chicago in the Stanley cup. Right. And I know the team was very different, but they did have some of those guys. And, and I, I don't remember Stamkos early on in his career as a nasty player. Right. And now he's certainly that. So maybe it does come a bit with age and urgency or whatever the hell, but mm, I, I covered that 2015 final in Chicago had a lot more of that. Like that was yeah. their last cup and they had, they had a lot more of that than Tampa did. And it's yeah. part of why they, part of why they beat them. Like but, Tampa was young. Kucherov was a kid back yeah. then. And you know, it was, it was a lot different the way that the lightning played. Yeah. And I guess where I'm going with that is I wish Toronto had a bit more of it. And I know that, they've stood up for themselves. There was the Shen fight Matthews after getting punched in the head, like four times by Stamkos decided to start to flail at him. I guess that was all right. They've played physically at times. Like they're, they've been laying the body. They've been laying some hits, but ultimately there, those puck battles and that effort and that tenacity, I guess it just, that part does really feel in Tampa Bay's favor and whatever Toronto has tried to match. It just, it feels like they're not able to hit that gear. Yeah, I mean, I, let's put it this way. I think that this version of the Leafs team had a lot more of it than the ones that we've seen in previous no years. Question. I mean, you just, it, like, you graphed it, I, what they tried to do in bringing in these different types of players. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, like, he, what a huge difference he makes. Look how well Luke Shen has played. Like, Luke Shen's yep. minutes are creeping up on Mark Giordano. He's played so well. I mean, if we want to talk about underlying numbers and possession and stuff like that, like Luke Shen's numbers are fantastic. They're best guy. You know, and, and who and who would have predicted that? Me. Uh, the leader of Luke's <laughs> troops, of course. That's what I'm but, saying. And then Matthew Nyes. Like, it's almost yeah. like these guys that haven't played here very long, they just they don't look like Leafs for lack of a better term. And and it's been, it's been really big for them that all of those guys have, have stepped in and performed the way they have. And I, so I think that their DNA is different. Is the whole team different? No, but there, there's, there's, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? Like I, I'm, I'm really wary of, I've seen this too many times where it looks like it's in the bag with this team. And then just all of a sudden it goes sideways. Mm-hmm. So the, how they play, obviously tomorrow in game five and game six, though, those are the keys. You you do not want to get to game seven for sure. Hell no. And even the, even the tough thing with getting to game six is you're going back down to Tampa. You've won both the games down there. Mm-hmm. The lightning's record at home is so good. Um, 
So, you you know, if you can, you really want to close it out in game five. No, no absolutely no question. I, I was advocating for, I mean, it's not exactly that, advocating for them to win hockey games. But no, I really do feel like game five is, uh, it. It, well, it's obviously an elimination game, but this is a real opportunity for Toronto to prove they're different. Do I think that over the course of the next three, they should add, dude, they should win this series. No doubt about it. And, but they will grip their sticks a little tighter than another organization. If they blow tomorrow night's game, you just can't convince me otherwise that they're going to go on the road to Tampa Bay where Tampa plays, like you mentioned so well, and that they got outplayed so drastically at times and that Leaf fans are not going to feel like they're back in a game seven. And if they're back in a game seven, like I was watching the wild broadcast yesterday or the yeah stars wild and they're saying, yeah, Minnesota, don't worry. You just have to hold home court and then, or home ice, and you're, you're back in a game seven where anything can happen. And you just can't be feeling very confident as if you're Toronto. Like, you just, you can't. And again, it's weird to say this. It's so odd to say this because you've been waiting so long for some of these things. Bounces to go your way and to get some goaltending in the postseason that's better than the other teams. Toronto's finally getting it. And I think that's why maybe we're examining a lot of this stuff going, okay, well... Is this sustainable? This is this a sustainable way of winning? And is this something that is going to be, yeah, you don't want to look too far ahead, but yeah, the goal is not to just win a first round in the Stanley Cup finals. It's to win mm-hmm. the entire thing. I know that this fan base has to have those calibrations and you got to start somewhere, but yeah, the way they're playing right now, it looks like a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads, figuring what's going to have to change so that a team with this level of skill starts to ramp it up and look a little bit different. And that's why I brought up the tenacity thing and the puck battle thing is because it just, yeah, it does feel like Tampa Bay is winning so many more of those. And yes, the guys like Shen who are stepping up in big spots and Ryan O'Reilly who are doing those things, the graphs as you put them are doing it. But outside of Matthews, I feel like you do want more from some of those other guys. And I would probably point most specifically to Nylander and maybe even a little bit more to Tavares. Yeah, I think that that's fair. And I mean, it's, I'm sure we're probably going to talk about it, but that's where the, you know, the bunting question comes into play. And I think the the fourth line, they haven't really gotten enough from, I know they're starting every, like campus started every single shift in the defensive zone in this series. Like he's at a 0% zone start. So, I mean, that's, that's a tough assignment, but I just, you're not really getting a lot from Aston Reese and, and Lafferty and like, those guys are supposed to be leading your four check. Like that's supposed to be, but it just seems like they're getting hemmed in their zone so much by the time they're ready to end their shift. There isn't any time to four check because they've been in the D zone so much. So that's what I'm going to be looking for in game five is that, you know, they, they can find a way to be better in that regard. And I think they were better towards the end of the last game, but you know, that's when keeps shortening the bench and, and they're desperate and they're pushing for a goal. They got to play way more like that early in the game because mm-hmm. And it's not just, I don't, I don't think it's just, you don't want to go to game six if you've lost game five playing poorly, because then you look back and it's like, well, we didn't play well in game three at 100%. all. We didn't play well in long stretches of game four. We didn't play well in game five. It's like, what are we, what are we building on here? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and you have to think too, that Vasilevsky is not going to be an 850 goalie through the series. I mean, that's, that feels like too no good comment. to be true. If, if that's what, <laughs> if that's what you're hoping for to win the series, that's, like you look at the Leafs shooting percentage in this series is through uh, through the roof. You know, well, even strength, it's eleven point three percent. Top is on the whole league. Yeah, you know that they're probably not going to go in this easy the rest of the way. Well, especially considering some of the types of goals he's letting in. The ones he's been getting a lot of excuses being made for him so far is oh he's a screen. I'm like okay, uh, fine. It's not exact. I, I haven't felt like the Leafs have been scoring highlight reel after highlight reel goal on him. Unstoppable goal after, you know, just, oh, completely helpless Vasilevsky on a lot of these. 
Looking. John Cooper really rose to his defense yesterday. Like he spent on the conference call with the media yesterday, he spent whatever it was a minute and a half defending Vasilevsky's honor and, and saying that no goalie in the history of hockey could stop some of these goals and stuff like that. Oh, so, okay. well, I don't know. I think some could. I think Samsonov is making some of those saves on the other end of the ice. Like so. Yeah, uh, I get why Cooper would defend his guy. Of course he would. He doesn't want him to take a beating when that guy's won them two Stanley Cups and been so integral in terms of carrying them to spots. And basically the reason why even last year, I remember when they were playing Colorado, everyone went, well, they still have Vasilevsky, so they could end up stealing the series. It was the reason why they thought they were going to steal this one from Toronto, whatever. So yeah, I understand his position, but the fact of the matter is the guy just has not looked very good and he's probably the number one reason. I don't even think probably he's absolutely with a bullet. The number one reason that Tampa Bay is behind in the series. Like that's just a fact. He can be one of the greatest of all time. You can have a bad series and that's what he's doing right now. But yeah, you're right. You don't want to have a bad game. You want to have something that you can build off of. It'd be great to put them away. All of these things we acknowledge. Um, yeah. So we spent a little time on the fear. Let's move to the positive sides. What's, what's been the most, Re, like your biggest reason for optimism with the Leafs? Because I think that there's actually a couple ways you could go with this. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not to belabor the goaltending thing, but I think yeah. Samson is probably number one. I mean, he was the biggest question mark coming in is like, what is this guy going to give you? And it, it, on, on paper, the Leafs are better in every other area. So the goaltending was the one that, that people worried about. So he's number one. And number two is just the way that Matthews and Marner have stepped up. I mean, they're among the scoring leaders in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Matthews breaks through with the two huge goals in, in the last game. I mean, I, I think that the way that those two have, have carried the team offensively has been huge. So, I mean, those would be my two easy no-brainer picks. And, you know, then you have to, you know, it's been a real endorsement of what Kyle Dubas did at the trade deadline as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the way the team has played and the guys that have, have picked it up. Ryan O'Reilly, like, this is a guy they should have tried to trade for. I mean, obviously he wasn't available, but that that's when they were trading for Nick Foligno and, and all these other Thomas Placanich and Brian Boyle and all this stuff, like this is the kind of guy they needed. They need someone who's a real difference maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, again, I think the, if you did popularity rankings in the city right now, like favorite athletes among diehard fans, Ryan O'Reilly might be number one. <laughs> I saw that the, the guys that do the socks with the players faces on them just rela- released a Maple Leaf sock with Ryan O'Reilly's face Sold on it the other day. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. probably. But I, I just, I just laughed when it was, that was the, the sock that they had created it. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's selling well. Congrats to those guys for rebranding from creating something based off of one of the most hated coaches here ever uh, and figuring out a way to survive that. That's good for them. Like that we call yeah, them I, now the guys who make the socks, not bab socks. <laughs> well, were. you know what's uh, those guys are in my neighborhood and I got to know yeah. them a little bit. And I did a story when Babcock got fired and it was, yeah. they had like, they had like 40,000 socks with Babcock's face on them to try and get rid of. It was like in the one guy's mom's basement and there was just like (laughs) hundreds of boxes of socks with Babcock's face on them that no one would ever want. Every Christmas from those guys like, oh, there's socks with Babcock's face on them again. Thank you so much. They're really high quality. It's not about what's on them. It's the quality of the sock. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's been Matthews. the Samsonov thing has been great, especially given the the roller coaster ride of it. The feeling like, oh my God, he might get pulled for wall. Like where we were at, you and I were talking about if he has another game the way that he did in Game One, 
maybe he isn't the Leafs goalie next yeah. year. Maybe he's out of the NHL next year because we don't know what his role, what his fit is going to be. If he's just going to be a backup or what it's going to look like, if there is more money over there, whatever. So yeah. from a old takes exposed, <laughs> no, but from a swings, but I don't, but I don't think that that was a bad opinion at the time. And I, I also don't think like if Sansov has a horrific game tonight, if he breaks their backs, you don't think that's going to be a part of the narrative going into the next game? Like what version are you going to get of him? You think it's a non-zero chance that he gets every game if he struggles through the next two? I'm just saying that, yeah, probably. But either way, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't regret having those conversations about Samsonov struggling at all, especially, again, with this team that has gotten the lesser goaltending every single time they've played against an opponent um, since the Matthews era began. But to me, the most important thing has been Matthews because night in, night out, I'm just finding he, when, when I say the tenacity stuff of the guys that don't look like they belong in the series sometimes, or it just feels like they're getting outworked or outplayed or yeah, out nastied. I, I don't really feel that way with Matthews. I just think he's been able to elevate, play his game, dominate. And it's why uh, do you keep him and Marner apart? Like, do you split them up? Because it does feel like those two guys are going and it feels like Matthews is able to do that independently. And maybe you are trying to elevate those other two and get them into the series a little bit more consistently than they have been. Because yeah, I think that as of right now, you could put Matthews with Zach Aston Reese and Sam Lafferty and he would still be dominating shift after shift. <laughs> yeah, but let's not do that. No, I don't, think, I don't think I'm not advocating for that. I was trying to illustrate a point. Yeah, I think you get a lot more from both Tavares and Nylander if you if you play them with one of those guys. I mean, it's just, mm. and they both need the help right now. I mean, Nylander really has struggled at, at points in this series. I know he's put up points and he's he's been he's assisted on big goals. And he's been the worst of the big four, without a doubt, despite the points. He's just he's just had moments where it's like, boy, like just you know, kind of like brain dead moments. And I think mm -hmm. you get him out there with one of the big guys. He's gonna. You look at like the territorially, like the Tavares Nylander line. They spend so much time in their own end, and like they're getting easier matchups, and they're getting you know starting in the offensive zone, and like they're just they're not in a position to thrive. So, I mean, I think that you've got both options you can go to if you're down a goal. I think you reunite Matthews and Marner, and you load up a super line and. You can do that, but I, to start the game, I would split them up mm -hmm. just to try and balance your lineup a little bit more. It's the same idea with moving Ryan O'Reilly down to the third line. You just want to have more lines on the ice that can contribute something. It seems insane in hindsight that they ever didn't have Ryan O'Reilly on his own line. <laughs> really? It's just, if they found a way to lose this series and we were looking back on, hey, what, what happened here? Them starting him on a loaded up second line that got, yeah, just absolutely worked in game one. It, it, it's a bad one. It's a really, really bad one to think back on. Okay, so if they, you do that, you split up the lines, which I agree with. I, I think that at this point right now, I'm trying them separate. And especially since if it doesn't matter because if you go on the road to Tampa, I want them split up. And if you face Boston and you're on the road to start a series, potentially, I want them split up there too. So I'm saying, get those reps, take a look at it. You did it for large portions of the season. They got back together and everybody got their statistics, but it just, it really does feel like you're right. The other guys around them are better. You're way more balanced of a roster. You have more depth and more opportunities to score. You're harder to match up with. Like Sorelli, how many thoughts did Leaf fans have about how good Sorelli is again last game? Because he's able to match up against the Matthews and Marner line. He's out there against their two best guys every single time. So, yes, I'm with that. But does Michael Bunting join one of those two lines? Um, this is the hot topic, James. You got to have a hard line opinion here. Let's go. What do we got? Are you bringing Bunting back? 
I would bring him back, but I think I would put him down the lineup. Same. I mean, I, I know he's not that effective down there, but I mean, and again, it gives you an option. If you're down a goal, maybe you reunite the, the bunting Matthews-Marner line. And then my concern is if you put him on one of the top lines and you give him big minutes, all of a sudden the sideshow stuff starts. Tampa's going to be in his face trying to goad him into everything. We already know the officials don't like him. I mean, some of this isn't even bunting's fault just it's just the way that the nhl is sometimes with some players where you you get a reputation but i mean so it's, his fault. Is if, it's his fault for that reputation he dove around for two straight years and the refs were like okay uh enough yeah You've embarrassed it us feels enough. like it's gone overboard though like i mean like I agree. Lately, you know, everyone celebrates Corey perry and like the amazing Ooh. you know <laughs> the amazing readiness that he brings to the table That's but rude to Corey perry score 50 goals and yeah be one of the best players in the nhl for over a decade and then you can get true. the yeah, but come on. The, I mean, I mean, what he is today and what he is right now. But uh, anyway, I mean, my, my concern is he that fights it, too, Corey Perry, you, and you, you, you never see that from Bunting. You don't want Sideshow Bob coming out, right? No. So, and you don't want Sideshow Bob out there when you got your best players on the ice. You don't want you want Matthews and Marner focusing on what they need to focus on. So, I would play Bunting just because I think Sam Lafferty has not really given you much of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the option you can use Bunting on the power play if you want. Uh, even if it's power play two, uh, and you can go to him and you can go to that line if you need a goal. Um, but I would just, I would, I would be tentative and I would certainly, I'm sure there's going to be a long heart to heart between Keith and Bunting about, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's stay within the, the lines and let's not retaliate. And here we go. So I said this to Versteeg last week when he first got the suspension. I don't think this message has to come from Keith. I think the message has to come from Bunting's teammates and that this is going to be a part of their evolution as leaders is to me, it's going to mean a lot more if Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner sit down Michael Bunting and say, we need you in this series and we can't have it be the way that it was before. But they love the guy. eh? Like they're buddies. Like they're, they're they're close. Yeah. They're hockey players, James. (laughs) Well, not, not everybody's friends in the dressing room. I I mean, it's, you know, like they're inviting him to the cottage in the yeah. off season, and like you know, he's very integrated with the stars here. Yeah. So, you know, it's more like it'd be more like a it wouldn't be like a leader protege kind of conversation. It would be like you know one of your buddies is is going out of line, and you're like, hey, <laughs> come on, like let's go. So yeah, but I don't think it can have the buddy tone. I think it has to be very very serious. Matthews has to be looking at this going. Do you guys, he and Marner both can do it because Marner's got the production and yeah, Matthews, I just think has been the least best player, but those two guys should be able to say, you see what we're doing here, right? You you see what's happening and it's going to be our names that are most affiliated with these losses over and over again. Like when we're doing legacy stakes, yeah, whatever it's, there's nobody that's going to eat it more than these two guys. This is their reputation as players in the league as they're in their prime of primes. And for Michael Bunting to hurt those opportunities for them, like there's got to be some ownership of that. There's got to be actually, to me, honest to God, some respect throughout the rest of the lineup, the way that there has been for other great players in the game where guys don't want to blow it for them. And Bunting has to be in on that program here. And that's why I think your opinion is the correct one, which is I, I'd like to see basically the team's leadership group have us have a talk with bunting let him draw back in because you're going to need him at some point the the idea that toronto is going to play the rest of these playoffs without bunting and have lafferty over him is just it's not a thing so we need to just kind of get over that so the idea that you're not going to play him in this next game because what you won the last one so you're waiting till you lose so you're admitting that it's not your best lineup that makes no sense to me either it's the same thing they did with nice and now they've got their coach 
stating publicly that he's not coming out of the lineup. Okay, so Bunting's drawing back in. You put him down there. You have the leadership group tell him that they need him to smarten up. You basically let him earn his way back up the lineup, and you play him in some situational spots, and you see if he actually has smartened up from this. And then the second he starts to, you know, show signs otherwise, you staple his ass back to the bench. Like, I, I just think that it's it's pretty much that easy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I would do. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I you're right, though. I think if you sit him for another game and you lose and you don't play well, and then all of a sudden he's coming, you're coming in in game six, too. I, and I know our guys that were down in Tampa, they said Bunting was just like pacing all over the place in the press box and was like, you know, he's he's like an animal up there waiting to get back in, waiting and not playing. And I think he's ready to go. So, and the Leafs have to hope he's ready to go in the right way. But what I was going to say is, you, let's say you lose game five badly and you got to go into a game six in Tampa, then all of a sudden all these questions about, you know, what kind of bunting are you going to get? You're going to reinsert him into the lineup in game six, and that's going to be, I don't know, I think you just get this out of the way. You bring him back. You know, you don't want to have him answering all these questions about why he didn't play in game five. And, you know, and I think that, you know, Sheldon Keefe has said, I've known bunting for a long time. I trust mm-hmm. him. And that has to come through here in such a big game. God, it's just, it's so funny because all of this seems so logical. It all sounds like it makes sense. And then the second Bunting does one of his idiot things, I'm just going to be screaming at the television going, you should have kept him out. What were you hey, doing, Sheldon? <laughs> there are some fans that think that Bunting, you know, getting Chernak not being in the series, like the impact that he made, I mean, you know, like it's it's been big. Like you look at Tampa's D and how much they've struggled. Not that you ever want to see anyone get hurt or you want a cheap shot to take someone out, but mm-hmm. there's certainly an impact that Bunting made there. Yeah, I definitely. It's just it's hard for me to do that one. It's like, yeah, they took out the guy. Nice. Oh, I, I just see some of the fan base yeah. going that direction with yeah. it. This is a desperate fan base. <laughs> yeah. I'll do anything. Yeah. Man, Hedman yeah. being out was obviously, yeah, celebrate. No one's doing the Kevin Durant thing. Eh? We already got exposed for that. It, that was a tough look for Toronto. It's still so funny to this day, the p- way people treat that memory here. They got mad that everybody else was... Like, wow, that was pretty classless Toronto. We're like, well, we just didn't know. But it's true. Toronto <laughs> celebrated Kevin Durant destroying his Achilles, one of the greatest basketball players ever, uh, destroys his leg in front of our home crowd. And it was a riot down there. People were thrilled about it. So, yeah, we've exposed who we are already very publicly when it comes to other teams' players getting hurt and the ways that we feel about it. And I think, truth serum-wise, a lot of fans in other markets feel the same way. I just don't know if they... Uh, yeah, they make the slip up to put it out there so publicly. Okay, here's the here's the bigger question, though, because I do think Bunting gets back in, and I think that he should get back in. How close are you to trying out Timothy Lilligren, and mm. how big of a consideration is he for you if you're the coaching staff, and who does he I mean, come in for? That's pretty far down the list for me. I mean, right. if Lilligren had played lights out right to the end of the season, then my answer is different. But he he struggled. You know, after they brought in those guys and they started going 11-7 and seven and he was missing games, there were just – I just – my concern would be I like Lilligren. He said he had a really good year for most of the season. He had a good year last year. He's going to be a top 4D. He's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. My concern is you get the, like – the little grin with the yips that we saw for whatever it was the last 12 or 15 games that he played, especially in a moment like this, like it's a lot to ask him to come in and especially, you know, he would have to replace one of the right side guys. You're not taking Shen out. You're not taking Brody. You're not taking Brody out. 
I mean, what what are you going to do? Are you gonna move? You're going to move someone over? I mean, Hall's going to be the guy that everyone's going to point to, but I just I don't see it happening. I bet you Keith's not didn't spend one minute thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I I think there's a case for it. And I, like I've been a Justin Hall defender for a long time. I think that he gets way too much flack from Leaf fans, and that he does some dirty things for the team that go a bit unheralded, and that his he's a he's a confirmation bias guy. Like when he makes mistakes, he gets hammered by every single person on Leafs Twitter. Um, and whenever he does anything productive, it's kind of dismissed as oh well, he should do that. Okay, so I, I actually don't mind Justin Hall, and I'm not even really. I think passionately taking a position of Lilligren. I do think that it should at least be considered though, because I think Justin Hall has been on the ice for nine goals against at this point. And yeah, some of those are power play for Tampa and he's on the penalty kill, which Lilligren wouldn't do either. But I keep looking at it and saying, all right, if you're Toronto and your issue has been that you keep getting hemmed in and you can't make breakout passes and you're having a tough time exiting the zone. Well, that's what the kid does pretty well and he does have a track record of playing really well with Mark Giordano. So you at least have that at your disposal. I just don't know. It's one of those things, again, where you go, well, what would you need to see to switch this? Nothing. So you're saying that it's completely inflexible. So then you never had 70. You only had six. It It's very, very, very clear that when we were having the conversations earlier that Shen was the seventh D and that he could potentially bump in and that then Lilligren or Shen, which of the other two is going to be. I don't know why if Luke Shen it was the guy that you could bump out of the lineup for Lilligren that now Justin Hall is completely untouchable in that regard because he's killing penalties and not doing it overly effectively. I, I, I don't know where I'm at with it. I'm just saying I, I, if they told me tonight Lilligren's in for Hall, I certainly wouldn't be going, whoa, I'd be like, oh, all right, yeah. Well, kinda... that's definitely your third pair then if you do that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the step one is just dial the minutes down for Hall and Giordano. Like, it's clear that they don't have it, that Tampa is targeting them, that this has become more of a track meet of a series than that pairing can keep up with. But, I mean, they haven't really done that yet, right? Like, they're still yeah. getting pretty big minutes. Shen's number six in terms of the minutes he's getting. Like, I, I play Riley and Shen more move Giordano and Hall down, you know, and I I think, you know, Hall's minus four in the series. I mean, everyone's talking about the nine or 10 goals against or whatever. I mean, most yeah. of that is like the, the PK has been, and that's not all on Justin Hall that the PK has been bad. Of I mean, it so. looks, they've been, they've been extremely passive and been, I mean, the, the one goal against looks terrible. The one where Kucherov finds Kalorn in front of the net and no one's covering him. I mean, that looks terrible, but the, We've seen all season Justin Hall make big blocks and play well in the D zone and play well on the penalty kill. And the Leafs had a good penalty kill all season. Just, I, I, it feels like a desperation move to move away from that right now to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fine opinion. And yeah, but it's 9 1 uh, Hall on the ice versus off overall. Goals against for goals for. And that's not fair to include penalty goals against when you're on the penalty kill. And then but here's why I think it just is just a touch is it's like, that's his main function. Like that's the main reason that he's there is they like but of him. Of course it's going to be goals against kill. on the penalty kill. You, yeah. you want him to score a shorthanded goal. Like, no, actually, <laughs> although do, I will say there's that the reason why they don't have plus minus on the penalty kill, of course, but I will say that at, on the penalty kill, he has drawn two penalties which is pretty nice. It's a pretty nice stat for Justin Hall. I think he's, 
I think he's been better than he's being made out to be. I don't think he's been great, but I, I think Giordano's actually been a bigger problem to me. I think like both guys have been bad, and I think either of those two guys, if they were taken out for Lilligren, I wouldn't be freaking out about it. I just think that the history of Lilligren with Gio has been better, and that he's the responsible guy that could play with Lilligren, and that, yes, maybe if you're looking for something different, you're trying to jumpstart your offense or get the puck out of your own end, you might yeah. at least consider the kid. That's all. I'm not, I, again, this is not a strong opinion of me. I just, I like talking this one out because I would think that they at this point have to be looking at it and considering it. Like if the whole premise of today is that, Hey, what do the Leafs have to do better? And we're saying, okay, well, you got to play with more intensity. It's like, okay, sure. But it seems like Tampa is not going to change in that regard. And it's hard for me to see that materially flip in this series, right? Where Toronto becomes the nastier team. All right, well, you're already getting a lot out of Matthews and Marner. Okay, so you're going to try splitting them. You're going to insert bunting into the lineup. What else can you do? What else can you ask from this team? And to me, that's the only real other lever that you can pull. Yeah. So yeah. That's... I just worry that the little grin you're picturing that you've seen play with Giordano and is not going to be the one that you're going to get in this game. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. I've never been an advocate for Lilligren in the playoffs, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just it's weird for me to be even the one that's presenting this idea. Okay, so uh, here's my last thing for you today. Oh, actually, we really got to go, but this, let's do this quick. Let's do this quick. <laughs> so the league has done this playoff format to develop rivalries, and I can't. do you really feel like that has worked in any way for you so far with any of these series, like that these teams now... Like, there's an added juice to it than there would have been with any other format. Well, I mean, if the Leafs move on and they play Boston in the second round, I mean, that's going to, then we're going to be talking, I think, a little bit differently about the rivalry conversation. But mm. when, you, when you've got the wild card crossing over the way it does, and you've got, you know, the central team playing the, like, you got Winnipeg playing Vegas, of course, there's no rivalry there. They're not even in the same division. Like, it's, there's so many times when, and then the, the Leafs division is so weird because you've got like the Florida Panthers in with, you know, these traditional rivals, Buffalo, Montreal, Boston, like that makes no sense. I mean, is there a rivalry with the Leafs and the Lightning? I guess maybe it's starting to form. Maybe if they, maybe if they play each other again in the first round next year, maybe we'll say that. But... That's what I mean. It's weird that they've played back to back years and I don't feel that as much. And yes, you're right. Maybe it's a next year thing, but it's like, you have three years of this to feel it that way. And I know some fans here hate Corey Perry. Okay, great. So does every other fan base, right? Um, do, are you more annoyed by John Cooper now if you're a Leaf fan? I think so. Outside of that, maybe Kucherov a bit more, but it doesn't feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting the sense from people where they go, God, I hate Tampa Bay, or God, next year in a regular season game, you're going to be dying to see these two match up against each other. It just doesn't. That part of it doesn't feel all that real to me. That doesn't feel like that big of a success to me. I, I just yeah. it, it feels like a miss. And if I'm well, on how long have we had this format too, right? Like it's saying. been an, we've seen it long enough. But you look at the other series and like other than Devils Rangers, there's not a whole lot of animosity and and, so, and things you know from that's from rivalries. Yeah, Stars Wild has been really chippy. Like the Felino play happens, and so but then again, the game sort of settled in and. Nothing really. And I go, all right, Kings-Oilers has been fun, but I don't really view it as these two teams hate each other and the rivalry of these two fan bases is mad. It's like, it's the Gretzky Bowl. There should be something more, and it just doesn't feel that way. So I don't know. Just, yeah, it just, it's not doing it for me. I'm not, I'm not feeling it in any of these series. Like, wow, 
uh, this was the payoff of the rivalries that have been created here. Just none of it is there. Yeah, pro- I'm again, one of the nastiest series has been Bruins, Panthers. All right, I guess. Don't feel like that's a rivalry all of a sudden. Anyways, uh, we got to run. Go read James's piece. Um, it's up on The Athletic right now. The Maple Leafs' keys to improving in Game 5 and eliminating the Lightning. Uh, James, thanks for doing this, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. See you, pal. There he goes. James Myrtle. Um, I, I know some of you are probably listening to that take and disagree, but I think you would have felt the same level of hate-ish for any team Toronto would have played in the first round. Like, do you really feel like the Tampa thing has sparked? Because to me, anyways, I will just say there's almost a bit of an admiration for me for Tampa where I look at some of their guys and go, damn, that player is good. Man, I really like Braden Point. God, Nikita Kucherov is nasty when he's dialed in. Man, Hedman doing this on potentially no groin. Dom, yeah. He's like 63% expected goals for in this series. Plays when 30 he, minutes. Yes, he's been awesome. And so I just, I don't hate these guys the way that I think you're supposed to in a rivalry. And maybe that's just modern sports fandom or something. And maybe that does change if they get Boston the next round or whatever the hell happens here. But I would, I would say that if we're talking about villainous figure in the city uptick, there's been a little bit more for Perry, but again, I respect the hell out of Corey Perry. I just think that he's awesome. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> That's why when Myrtle said the comparison of Bunting, I, I people make that one and I go, you got to stop that. Nobody should do that one. And Corey Perry, what I admire so much about him is actually he knows where to push the line. Like he knows how to get up close, 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 close to the line and then draw and then pull it right back. Whereas Bunting has not shown that whatsoever. You dislike Pat Maroon a little bit more? I don't know. I don't really feel You really hate the Lightning now? You really feel like next year that's going to be a, a real hot ticket you got to have in the city? I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't take three years either. Maybe if it goes a little bit longer, maybe if that happens. But, yeah, I'm not feeling right now. Anyways, quick break. Let's come back. Let's hit best bets uh, and wrap this sucker up. Subscribe to the podcast and leave five stars. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, baby, baby. Best Bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, my favorite sportsbook. The only sportsbook I'm using right now, actually. The only one. Because you know why? It has everything. It has everything I need. There are so many things to bet on on this website. And yeah, I've been getting hit with some early payouts. Missed yesterday's Best Bet by a measly crap run that happened. I was hating it. Anyways, today, Best Bet. Under first five innings runs for the Kansas City Royals. It's a low number, one and a half. But it's Zach Gallen. I like it. That was Best Bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now.